Pray with me this morning. Father, we are just so thankful to to be at church. Um, God, to be here. I know there's probably some people who may have got drugged this morning, especially some kids. Um, There were probably some fights this morning on the way. Uh, But God, we are just so thankful to be children of God. As we said this morning in the first service, it is such an amazing thing to think that because of your son, Jesus Christ, Lord, we can all be made new. Lord, even this morning, even, even though we may have accepted you years ago, that despite our mistakes, despite our sins, God, even right now in this moment, we can be made new through the blood of Jesus Christ because your forgiveness covers a multitude of sins. God, we thank you for the opportunity to gather in your name this morning. We thank you for this time of year. And Lord, I know that um, as time changes and, and, and we experience different losses, that as Christmas approaches, it could be painful for some. But Lord, we just want to remind ourselves that this year, this time is about you. And, and while life may not be exactly the way that we want it, or the people may not be present that we want to be here, that God, you are always with us. And because of that, we can experience joy and happiness in you that uh, is just unexplainable to the rest of the world. And Lord, we lift up our brothers and sisters right now. We have so many people. We think about uh, Pastor Dan. We think about Miss Helen. We think about Miss Pat, who had surgery this week. Um, we think about Miss Tina's mom. Uh, Lord, these people that are in the hospital and um, that aren't able to be here, and so many others. God, we have faith to know that Your Holy Spirit can be with them right now, as we're praying this prayer, just like You are with us now in this place. And so, God, we ask that Your Holy Spirit would be present in our lives that everything we do today would be pleasing and honoring to you. And I pray, Lord, that we would um, seek you first this season as Christmas approaches. We love you and we thank you. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. Well, I just want to say thank you to Preston Navi for doing the candle lighting uh, I don't know if you guys, we've always asked different people to do it every year, and it is always this, this super weird thing, because people want to do it, and at the same time, it's terrifying to get up in front of people and talk, and then you have to hold fire while you're doing it and not set the world on fire, and so I'm very thankful for them doing that this morning, thank you, um, and we just like to change things up and do it differently, but the next three weeks, we're going to be doing a little series on joy. And if you've been around for the past few years, about five years ago, um, Christmas fell on like a Friday or Saturday, and then Sunday was immediately following that. And it was just kind of like, it was a weird time. And once Christmas is over, it's like, okay, it's still Christmas, everybody's still got their homes decorated, but there's kind of like this letdown of the excitement's over, Christmas is over, the gift giving's over, and then it just kind of gets a little boring, you know? It's like, especially as a kid, you're just like, we got a whole nother year until we do all this stuff. And, and I did a sermon on joy and uh, did, used the acronym, you know, if you put Jesus first, 
others second and do yourself last, you'll be able to experience joy. Well, I had a lot of compliments on that sermon. And so I, I really, I, I'm going to take that sermon and really expand it a lot and just talk a lot more deeply as to how we can experience joy, not only in this time of year, but even in our lives as Christians. Uh, so point number one, you need to know this morning is don't compliment me unless you really mean it, or you might get a double dose of what you asked for. Uh, but the other thing is, is, you know, even as, even as believers in Christ, it's not just about Christmas, um, where joy can be stolen away from the busyness of the season or saving up money, buying gifts, being in debt, uh, running around like a chicken with your head cut off, trying to make it to everything you're supposed to be at, or fulfilling all the expectations that children and family members have during the season that can really suck the joy out of the season for even us as Christians. But really, as believers in Christ, we can find it very difficult to experience joy throughout the year in general. We get in ruts. We get in times where we go through situations and circumstances where Satan really wants to steal our joy away. And one of our greatest testimonies as Christians should be the joy that we have within our hearts, right? I mean, it, it should be. And the truth is, as we wake up, and if you're a believer, you know this, you don't always just wake up every morning and like, I've got joy, and you're just super happy that you woke up today and, and that everything's great. You know, a lot of times that joy can be hard to find. And so we're talking this morning about the simple fact of, of our first sermon is really putting Jesus first. And if we put Jesus first, um, joy should be available to us as believers in Christ despite the situations and circumstances of Christmas or the situations and circumstances of life in general throughout the entire year. So we're going to read a passage of Scripture from Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 32. And this is the prophecy of Simeon. I mean, this is the old dude, all right? So if you feel old, sorry. Um, but this, this is an old man, all right? He, he's been at the temple. He's been devoting his life to serving and honoring God. And all the stars have just aligned on the special day that we're reading about. And so let's read this and see kind of why those stars have lined up and why he has the joy that he has in his life. So in verse 25, it says, At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout. And I don't know if you guys are Bible markers or you take notes or whatever, but if you want to put a little note in your Bible, underline righteous and devout. And he was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, underline that, that's important, and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So that's really cool so far. You have this, this righteous holy man, and God had already revealed to him that he's not going to die until he sees the Messiah. I just think that's cool. In verse 27, it says, That day... The Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there, and he took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. Super cool passage of scripture 
Because you have this man who has spent his entire life seeking after the Lord, serving him um, regularly at the temple, uh, constantly just, just being obedient in this. And really, he's storing his entire life up for this moment that God has promised him. Now, I don't know if you guys ever, ever think about it, but we have a difficult time in our culture of giving up things in this life that we know that we can have and enjoy and, and touch and feel and taste and, and just experience all this stuff in order to have something very specific later on that we can't necessarily attain that we just like we hope will happen one day. But Simeon has invested his entire life in this moment to be able to see the Messiah. And, and we're going to talk about this because I, I feel like for us as believers in Jesus Christ, God has really been reminding me lately, especially through a lot of the stuff we've been studying in our Wednesday night Bible studies, of not overcomplicating things. Don't overcomplicate your relationship with Christ. Don't overcomplicate your faith. Don't overcomplicate theology. Jesus is it. Jesus is the reason. Jesus is the answer to all things. And if we can get to that point where we just where we have that childlike faith to just remind ourselves Jesus is it, we'll be fine. And so Jesus, if you're sitting here this morning and you think like you think about Christmas coming up and you're worried or you don't have the joy or even here lately in your life where there's been no joy in your life and you there's no joy in your relationship with God and it's not even necessarily as much to do with we lost a loved one or we are having a hard time with this or, or this has not turned out like we thought it would or whatever situation or circumstance is going on, it has very little to do with that and more to do with our relationship with God than we would ever realize. Amen. And that's the biggest thing that we have to realize. So point number one this morning is you have to want God. And that's tough. Because most of you who are sitting here this morning, like if you believe in Jesus Christ, if you're a legit follower of Jesus Christ, you understand the need in your life to want God and why you want God. That's pretty clear. But if you're not, or if you're teetering, or if you're just like thinking about why, you know, you should follow Christ or give your heart to them, you're going to have to step out on faith to do that. And it's really cool because I actually had a, a conversation with a young man in our church last night. We were just kind of texting back and forth, and he was watching some videos on, like, okay, like one guy was saying that you have, you're only saved through faith in Christ, uh, you, you know, you have to believe in Jesus, and then the other guy was saying, but if you don't obey the law and if you're living in sin, then you're not truly saved. And he was like, so which one's right? Like, what's the, what should we do? And, and I hope I answered the question right, but I, I was saying, hey, listen, you know, when you think about salvation in Jesus Christ, like it's simply believing in Jesus Christ that he died on the cross for your sins, that he can save you from your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness and give you eternal life. And that initiates our salvation. But the same faith that we have in Christ to forgive us of our sins also calls us to believe that Christ made sure that we had the ability to receive the Holy Spirit, which gives us the power to overcome sin and be obedient to the laws that God has given us. 
Because when you read Scripture, yes, salvation comes through faith in Christ alone. But when you begin to read other passages of Scripture, such as 1 John, where it's talking about obedience is proof that you love God. Because if you love God, you're going to be obedient to him. And Jesus didn't come to abolish the law so we can just go do whatever we wanted to do. But he came to fulfill the law, to give us the Holy Spirit, because he knew we as people did not have the ability to serve God on our own, to resist sin on our own. You can't do it. I can't do it. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, he gives us the power to overcome sin and addictions and temptations and all things that are keeping us away from God. And when you talk about experiencing joy in your life, you want joy, all right? You have to want God to be a part of your life. When you look at Simeon in this moment, he loved God. He was devoted to God. He was righteous. He abstained from sin. One of the biggest things that it talks about is, is when we come out of the world, that God will reveal himself to us, that God will give it. He will come into us when we come out of the world. But we have to have faith to initiate that relationship. And so as believers in Christ this morning, to, to, to look at life, to look at whatever it is that you're going through, whether it's Christmas coming up and you're just not super excited about it, or if it's just life in general and you've just been in a spiritual rut lately and you're just like, I'm not super excited about Christ, I'm not super excited about my faith, whatever it may be, to, to take a step back and say, hey, we have to want God. He's got to be number one. And we've got to come out of the world and make ourselves presentable to the Father. And the world will tell you, you need to be who you are. You, people need to love you for who you are. But the truth is, if we serve Jesus Christ and we believe what Scripture says about him, we serve a holy, righteous, amazing, sinless father that can have nothing to do with sin. And so if we, we want God to be a part of our life, we have to make this commitment to come out of the world so that we can approach him. And, and, and he will come and, and be a part of our life. Because it starts out through faith of initiating that, and we have to rely on Jesus to help us do that, but we have to want God. And if you want joy in your life, you have to put Jesus first. But in order to put Jesus first, you've got to want God in order to be able to put Jesus first in order to receive joy. You see, the trick is, as people, and especially Americans, we have this really bad... Um, Tendency in our life. Like, how many of you would love to be rich? Don't lie. You're all lying. You'd love to be, I would love to be rich. How many of you would love to have like millions of dollars right now? How many of you would love to work for the rest of your life to get it? Some of you say, eh, it's not worth it. I don't care. But we would love as people to go out in our backyard and find a pot of gold and to be rich. Like we would love that to just stumble upon it. And, and as, think about this, as Christians, we look at our spiritual lives the same way. We would love to just go out and stub our toe on something sticking out of the ground because we're not even willing to dig for it. You know, it's like, you're not just going to go out and dig a hole and like hope you find treasure. It's like, you're just going to stub your toe on it and stumble across it. And that would be super awesome. But no, nah, I don't use a shovel. That's for the birds. Like I'm not doing that. We're not even willing to dig for it. But as believers in Christ, we treat our spiritual lives like that so much. Like we just hope that one day we're just going to wake up and we're just going to stumble across God. We're going to stumble across holiness. 
we're going to stumble out the door one day and the Holy Spirit's just going to smack us in the face and all of a sudden we're going to be everything that the Bible says that we should be. And the truth is, is that it does not happen that way. As believers in Christ, our salvation is initiated through faith. But then there's a calling that's on our lives as believers in Christ that we begin to pursue God and that we have a desire for Him not to just be a part of our life, but to be our life. And as Christians, we look at things like joy or the fruits of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And we look at those nine things and, and think about this. There's a lot of spouses and people in here. You look at the person beside you. How many people beside you exude those nine things? Look at your person beside you and say, you need the Holy Spirit. I don't have those nine things. I would like to have those nine things. It would be better for me to have, I would be a better pastor. I'd be a better, I'd be a better husband, a better father. I'd be a better everything if I had those nine fruits of the Spirit. Some of us naturally have them more than others, but the truth is, is that as believers in Christ, we want those fruits of the Spirit and especially joy. Is joy not something that everybody in the world seeks? And they look at all the things of the world, whether it's buying stuff or earning more money or having experiences or relationships or whatever to experience joy in their life. It's something that everybody seeks after. But as a Christian, we have to be very careful not to just want joy. Because as a believer in Christ, there are so many things that God offers us that if we only get focused on, well, I just want eternal life. Well, I just want joy. Well, I just want to experience love. Well, I just want this. All those things are great. And we serve a heavenly father who is able to give us all of those things according to his will and his purpose and his divine timing. But we don't find those things through God looking for those things. We find those things through God while we look for God. And that's where we have to remember, like, God has to be first. We have to want God. And Matthew, the book of Matthew, has a lot of the teachings of Christ. And, and this is like one of those hard teachings of Jesus. And Jesus combated against this constantly in his ministry of understanding that we as people want things that we can see, that we can touch, that we can feel. Things like fruits of the Spirit, things like relationships, things like happiness, Food, shelter, water, simple things in life. We want those things. And Jesus said in Matthew 6, verses 31 to 33, he said, don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. And if you're sitting here today and you're constantly worrying about worldly things, if you're constantly worrying about why don't I have joy? Why don't I have peace? Why don't I have spiritual gifts? Why don't I, why can't I witness and minister to people? It's not the fact that you are lacking that thing. It's the fact that we are really, we're lacking God. Because God is the one who supplies all these things. He says, but your heavenly father already knows your needs. You're sitting here this morning. We're focusing on joy. God knows that you need joy in your life. What happens when people are miserable? Are they good to anybody? No, we're no good to ourselves when we're miserable. God wants us to experience joy. 
But he's not going to give it to you through things that steer you away from himself. The whole aspect of how God works is, is he gives us these things that we need in order to prove that he is the one who provides it. He's given us things like the fruits of the Spirit and things like that to show people that, hey, if you want these things, you have to go through God in order to truly get it. Because we can experience temporary joy. We can experience peace in a moment, in an experience, in a place. You can experience some of those things like temporarily, but if you want true joy and peace and love that lasts, that only comes from God. Everything else is fleeting because the world's fleeting. The world's temporary. It passes away. In verse 33, Jesus says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. God is not the Father who's trying to rob you or keep you from experiencing anything in life, but actually God is the Father who wants you to experience the fullest and best life that you can possibly have. He wants you to have all that you need. He wants you to have the fruits of the Spirit. But it's only through Him that those things are provided. So we have to want God and seek Him first. And when you look at people in the Bible that you read about, all the examples, all the people that we really like and we model ourselves after and we look at all the Scripture, you have to remember that those people went through extremely difficult times, extremely difficult circumstances. A lot of those people suffered greatly in the name of Christ whenever they were doing exactly what God wanted them to do. The situations and circumstances surrounding their lives a lot of times seemed to be terrible. And then you read about people like Paul who starts listing off, well, we've, I've been shipwrecked, I've been beating, I've been stoned. I've been left for dead. I've, you know, it's like all this stuff that Paul starts listing off that's been happening to him. And Paul's one of the most joyful people that you read about in Scripture. Because his joy is not found in the situations and circumstances of life. His joy is found in his relationship with Jesus Christ. And let me tell you something this morning. You are going to go through the pits of life. It's coming. If you're not already going through it, if you haven't gone through it before, you're going to go through it. The situations and circumstances of life are going to happen. You're going to lose someone that you love. Relationships are going to be broken. You're going to be betrayed. There are going to be things. You're going to lose jobs. You're going to be in financial distress. You're going to have family marital problems. All that stuff is going to come. But those things aren't the ones that provide your joy. God is. And so we can be joyful even in the midst of great loss in this world. And in reality, is, is it hard to be joyful when things are going good? Y'all can respond. Is it hard to be joyful when things are going good? No. And it's not impressive to anybody when that happens either. Nobody takes note. And they say, well, life's perfect. No wonder they're happy. No wonder, you know, even Satan said it. You got you, you to hedge of protection around Job. No wonder he serves you. He, he has everything. But take it away, and I bet he'll curse your name. The greatest testimony you'll give is to have true joy, even in the midst when life is, stinks. 
But that's what we're called to do is to have joy, put God first. Point number two, you have to be led by the Spirit. You know, Simeon was obedient to the leading of the Holy Spirit, and it's not something that you can just turn off and turn on at any given moment in time on how it suits you in your life. Because a lot of us want to serve God, especially when it's convenient, and then a lot of times, whenever it's not convenient, we just want to be able to turn the switch off and like ignore it and go do what we need to do, and then we'll come back and say, okay, God, i got time for you again. Simeon was obedient to the leading of the Spirit. Now think about this. He was holy and devout. And I don't know if you guys have ever thought about what that means or what that uh, cost you, but there was a lot of things that Simeon denied himself of in order to be considered holy and devout. There were a lot of things that the rest of the world was able to experience and enjoy, things that they were going to do, things that they were getting to have, relationships, all that stuff. And Simeon was devout and devoted and separated out from the world and set apart for God and for God's purpose. And God revealed to him that one day that he would see the Messiah. So God had spoke, God had taken note of his righteousness and communicated to him, you're not going to die until you see the Messiah. And so think about this. Simeon was regularly at the temple. He was regularly worshiping God, doing what he was supposed to do. And on that day, the Holy Spirit led him to the temple. And so imagine this, that God had communicated to, to one of us that you're not going to die until you experience this thing on whatever time that may be. And so you spend your whole life doing it in order to be prepared for it, which kind of stinks because you're sacrificing a lot of what you could be doing to make sure that you're ready for the moment that it happens. And we're called to do that as Christians, in case you're wondering. You spend your whole life living for the Lord, coming out of the world, being holy, being righteous, while the rest of the world gets to have fun. And they get to experience things. They get to go places. They get to do stuff. And I don't know if you think about it, even th this morning, there's a lot of people who are at home in bed resting. And a lot of you who would be like, man, it'd be really nice to just be laying in bed doing nothing with morning breath right now. And that'd be really cool. But as believers, you believe in your heart that you're doing this to prepare yourself for something that you have promised to you to come. That this is beneficial for you. While other people get to experience a little more sleep and a nice free day. And maybe they just take the whole day and they go do something that they want to do. And so you sacrifice that, that desire that you have on Sunday maybe to go to the lake or go do this or go do that. And you're going to go and you're going to spend it with the Lord. That takes sacrifice. Simeon was doing that every day. And what if he just turned it off and said, No, nope, I've been doing this my whole life. Nothing's happened yet. Felt led to go to the temple that day. He said, I'm not going. I'm taking a day off. I'm tired. I'm old. Got arthritis. My hip don't work no more. I'm not going to go. What would he have missed? Everything that God had been preparing him for. But because he's led by the Spirit, he's in the right place at the right time to experience everything that God had promised him. And as believers in Jesus Christ... We have a lot that's promised to us. You know, the fruits of the Spirit, we say, well, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. I miss one, self-control. But you know what I'm saying. 
those, those fruits are promised to us. And there's a lot of other things that are promised to us as believers in Christ. But we miss them. We miss a lot of things because we're just turning the switch on and off. And we're just being obedient at times and then we're not being obedient. We're, we're being devout at times and we're not being devout. We're being holy at times and then we're not being holy at times. And we turn the switch on and off. But in order to truly be the people that God wants us to be and to be where God wants us to be at the right time, to do everything that he's called us to do, it's got to be something that we are committed to. To be led by the Holy Spirit. It's life-changing. And you look at Romans chapter 8, verses 12 through 14. Paul's explaining what it looks like to live in the Spirit. Because even the early church had problems with this. Like, they weren't great at it either. They constantly had to be corrected. And Paul says, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. Every one of us this morning would probably claim to be children of God, would claim to be saved. But the truth is that everyone who's led by the Spirit is actually children of God. And you know, that, that young man was asking like, okay, so is it through faith or is it through obeying you know, the laws. And, and truthfully, Paul's saying, it's like, if you're filled with the Spirit, you're no longer obligated to obey your sinful nature. You have the power within you to overcome your sinful nature, to be obedient to the Lord and His laws. And it's one of the greatest things, being Spirit-led, is one of the greatest identifiers of who actually belong to God. And guess what happens when you're led by the Spirit and the Spirit's in your life? Love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. All the fruits come along with it. The joy that we're talking about this morning is not something that we should be striving for just to attain joy, but we should be striving to want God in our life, to be filled and led by the Holy Spirit. And in the midst of all that, joy is readily available for us to receive. And it's one of those things that He's promised you that you can have. And it has nothing to do with life going good or you being in a relationship or you getting a raise or you having success or you having this or you having that. It has everything to do with if you love me and you put me first and you allow me to lead you in your life, you'll have all the joy you'll ever need. And it's not temporary, it's eternal. And it doesn't, it's not just one of those things that lasts in this world, it'll carry with you over to the next world that I'm giving you as well. And point number three, you have to believe that Jesus is the most important thing in your life. And this is really probably the most difficult thing for us to do as believers in Christ. You know, when Simeon saw Jesus, he was perfectly content to die in peace. Now, I don't know about you guys, I got a feeling there's one who will raise their hand. But how many of you are ready to die and go to heaven right now? Like if you could, like you'd say, I'm ready to go right now. That's kind of alarming. But notice I didn't raise my hand either, so I'm not going to fuss at you too much. You with me this morning? In our culture, we have a really hard time with this because 
we have so many good things and so many blessings and the world does offer us so much here that it's hard to imagine. We, most of us, can't think of anywhere else in the world that we could go and have it better than what we have it here. And so to even imagine to go to heaven and it being better than what we have here is sometimes difficult and therefore we don't get super excited about it. But for us to sit down and believe that, that Jesus is the most important thing in our life should really change the way that we think. And when you look at Simeon, he's in this moment, and he's an old man. And some of you are young, and you're just like, I'm young. I've got a lot I want to experience. I'm not ready to die yet. Well, I'm getting old, and I'm still not ready to die yet. But Simeon is an old man, and everything that had been leading up to this point in his life had just been accomplished. He saw Jesus Christ, the most important thing in his life. Everything that he had done, everything he had based his life on was leading up to this moment where God, he was holy, he was devout, he wanted God, he wanted to see the Messiah. That's huge. He wanted to see the Messiah and God revealed to him that he would. And in this moment when he holds Jesus Christ in his arms, I don't know, to me that's just really cool. Like to hold Jesus in your arms. And he was perfectly content in that moment to go, to die. Because he had seen the most important thing that ever happened to this world. It was the most important thing that ever happened in his life. It was the most important thing that ever happened in this world. And he understood that. And because he understood that, he knew he was ready to go. He could die in peace because there was nothing else in this world that was better that could even come close to that. And you think about what it means to be a believer in Jesus Christ. You know, there's a great joy that we have when we accept Jesus into our heart. If you've ever truly been saved, there's a joy that comes inside of you that is just unexplainable. But there's a reason why God doesn't just save us and take us to heaven because there is more to experience. There's more to be done. And if you know, if you're a true believer in Christ, you will know, you'll, get, you'll understand when I say this, but as much joy as you felt in your heart when you got saved, when you see someone that you love or someone that you've been ministering to or someone that you care about greatly, when you see them get saved, the joy that comes inside of you is even greater than what it was when you yourself received Christ because you understand how important it is. And you understand that you were actually able to help, that God used you in order to make that happen, which is so humbling and at the same time so rewarding. And there's so much joy that comes from that. And when you think about what it means to put Jesus first in your life, so many people in America and around the world have a hard time with this. It's like, are you really serious? Like, like, put Jesus first above everything else. What about my wife? What about my husband? What about my kids? What about my parents? What about everything? What about my dog? Got some dog people in here? In Matthew 10, verses 37 through 39, this is a familiar passage. You've heard it preached on a thousand times. It gets... A lot of times this gets shoved down the throat of everybody who, who claims to be a Christian. And I don't, I'm not 
shoveling it your way this morning. You know, this is one of those things, like I just want to gently remind us of the calling that God has on us. And Jesus said in verse 37, if you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. And if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. And whether you think about your own self or whether you think about the people in your life that you love the most, there's a calling on us to put Jesus first above everything else. And that sounds foolish. It definitely sounds foolish to the world, and it sounds difficult for many of us who are already believers. But it's what we're called to do. And the people of the world are not going to understand this because they're going to say, how can you put something that you can't see, that you can't touch, that you just have faith in, how can you put that above your own flesh and blood, your own people who's investing in you, your own people who's a sacrifice for you? How can you put that above them when you don't even know for 100% sure that that's real? And it sounds like foolishness. But it's the calling that God has placed on our life. And we have to step out on faith in order to do that. And if our God is the God that he says that he is, if Jesus is the Savior from whom he says he is, and we do it according to how the Word says that we should do it, then technically you'll be a better husband than you ever thought you could be putting your wife first. And you'll be a better wife to your husband, and you'll be a better child to your parents, and a better parents to your children, and a better employee, and a better boss, and a better whatever. If you will put Jesus Christ first and live according to the words that he's caused to and allow yourself to be led by the Holy Spirit, you will be better and more beneficial for anyone else around you. They may not understand it, and they may give you a lot of kickback at first, but when you look at what Scripture calls us to do, to be faithful, to be honest, to be true, to, to be filled with love and joy and peace, I mean, you think about it. People who are miserable are miserable to be around. They make other people around them miserable. But for someone who's filled with joy, it's a pleasure to be around those people. You want to be around those people because they make you feel better being around them. And so this morning to understand, like putting Jesus Christ first, it sounds terrible. It goes against every inclination and natural instinct in our lives, but it is exactly what we are called to do. And if we do that, it starts this amazing thing for us being able to do everything that God's. We put Jesus Christ first. We'll want God more. We'll be more led by the Spirit. And being led by the Spirit causes us to want God more, causes us to trust in Jesus and put Him first. And every time something comes up, we've got to make that decision. It makes it easier and easier and easier to put Jesus first every single time. And given enough time and given enough proof in your life, it may be fought, it may be challenged in the beginning, but as people begin to see it, they'll begin to believe it and they'll begin to appreciate it more and more and more. How do you expect to put Jesus above your job, your hobbies, your finances, your family, if he's not the most important thing in your life. 
It's not going to happen. You can't put Jesus first if he's not the most important thing in your life. It doesn't even make sense. There's no way we would make that decision. But whether you realize it or not, we're all searching for joy. Right? How many of you would like to be happier? More joyful? More excited? Just like have to not worry and, and have all the stuff, like all the fruits of the Spirit that we were talking about earlier, we would all love to have those things more. But the truth is, is if we want those things, we have to pursue Jesus to get them. We can't pursue them. We have to pursue the one who can give them to us. And there's a lot of things in life that will give you small experiences of those things. You can experience love. You can experience joy. You can experience peace in any, you know, certain situations and circumstances. But God is the only one who can give them and them last. God is the only one who can give you those things in spite of the situation. The world could be burning down around you. Literally, the boat is sinking and the disciples are screaming in terror and they're afraid that they're going to sink and Jesus is asleep. You talk about peace and you think like, that sounds crazy. Who would do that? Somebody who's got peace. Somebody who knows truth. Somebody who knows what's most important and knows where peace and safety and stability and all the other things that we want in life. Somebody who knows where that comes from, they're the ones who can sleep in a boat whenever everyone else thinks and believes that it's about to sink. The world could be burning down around you and you could have joy. And if you do, it's not only beneficial for you, but it'll be one of the greatest testimonies that you give to everyone around you. When you desire God and you're led by the Spirit, and when Jesus is the most important thing in your life, you'll experience more joy than you'll ever be able to desire. It's there. It's free. It's available. And it has nothing to do with anything in your life that needs to fall into place before it happens. It's there. You just got to go through Jesus to get it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day and time. We love you. We thank you for sending your one and only son. We thank you so much for what this time of year means. And Lord, we pray that as we celebrate this season and as we go throughout our daily lives, I pray that you would help us to put you first in all things, to be led by your Holy Spirit and to make you the most important thing in our life. We love you today. We thank you so much for everything you bless us with. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed. Thank you.